So how many of you believe that um, you believe in prayer? How many of you believe in the power of prayer? I, I, I am incredibly thankful that, uh, and I hope you are too, that, that God hears us. That God, who to all things, He can do all things, right? That for God that can do all things, He hears us when we cry out to Him. And I'm thankful that as a follower of Jesus, I have seen God do miraculous things through prayer over the years. The good news is prayer is incredibly powerful, amen? The bad news is prayer can also be confusing. Prayer is powerful, but at times it's confusing. Because if you're anything like me, you you may have seen God answer prayers when you say, wow, man, God, you, man, you are incredible. You just did, oh, man, you showed up, you showed off. Man, you, that was just awesome to see you at work. And then other times when you pray in similar ways, with a similar type of faith, believing in the very same God, he didn't do what you thought that he should do and knew that he could do. And it can be confusing, especially when you, you contrast that with some of the miraculous prayers that we, that we see in Scripture. And we contrast that with some of my own prayers. Excuse me. Prayers that can be powerful. Prayer can be powerful and it can be confusing. For example, Joshua chapter 10. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to reference it right now. Uh, Joshua prayed that the sun would stand still. And God caused the sun to stand still. Amen? Very interesting. He prayed, God, make the sun stand still, and it stood still so that the Israelites could win the battle that they were in. And sometimes I I, I just have a hard time getting out of bed, and I'm praying, God, help me. Or what about Elijah? We just studied this uh, last Wednesday night about Elijah and on Mount Carmel, and it, you know he, he he was in this battle against the well. He wasn't in a battle. He challenged the the prophet, the false prophets of the false god Baal. Many people pronounce it Baal, but he he, he challenged him and he said, "Okay, we're going to set up a sacrifice. Go ahead and set up your sacrifice. Set up your altar." Chop it up, do whatever you need to do, and the God that called that that uh, rains down fire from heaven and burns the burns the uh, sacrifice. He's God, and and the, the prophets of Baal, they were out there and they were having their good time. They were cutting themselves, trying to get their God's attention, and nothing happened. And and you know Elijah started talking smack to him. You know he said, "Man, maybe he's maybe." Maybe he's asleep. Maybe you got to wake him up. Or maybe he's on a trip. Yeah. One of, one of the people last, last Wednesday night got a kick out of the idea that Joshua, or, or uh, excuse me, Elijah said, maybe he is relieving himself. Nothing was happening. Elijah gets up there. He 
prepares it. He rebuilds the altar of God that was up there. He has them put the put the wood on the on the altar and the sacrifice cuts up the sacrifice the way that's prescribed by God to set up the sacrifice. The only thing that he did that wasn't prescribed as doing how to sacrifice before God is he dumped like 30 gallons of water on him. Soaked the wood, soaked the sacrifice, soaked the ground. There was a trench around it. And in a very simple, faith-filled prayer, fire comes from heaven immediately and consumes the fact, sacrifice, the wood, the altar, and all the water. Amazing. Amazing faith in God. Then, later on, he starts praying and a drought ends. A three-year drought ends. So this man was full of faith. He saw God move. And there's times when I pray, God, I wish I could pray like that because I've never seen fire fall from heaven. Another example in Scripture is Daniel. Daniel prayed. Daniel was prayed so much that that God was using him and, and there was other people that were jealous of him and, and they didn't want him to continue and, and so they got this law created that anybody that prays to anybody other than the king would get killed. And so the first thing Daniel did was he opened up all his windows, turned towards Jerusalem and started praying. That's the first thing he did. And all of you went, ah! Look, King, he's praying to somebody other than you. And even though that king kind of liked Daniel, he threw him in a lion's den. Now these lions were ferocious and hungry. And yet when Daniel was thrown in that lion's den, God put him on a diet. Either put them on a diet or he filled their stomachs. I don't know, but they did not even touch Daniel because of his prayer. Prayer can be can be very powerful, and it can occasionally be confusing. In fact, when you look at the words of Jesus, he says something that builds my faith and also confuses me at the same time. Well, maybe it confounds me more than confuses me. It's in John's Gospel, chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says this. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Many people stop right there and say, Woo, man, what a promise. Jesus will do whatever I ask in his name, so I'm ending all my prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Got to open it up. It goes on and says, So that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So why is it that sometimes I ask him to do something 
in his name and believe that he'll do it, and he doesn't. Have you ever prayed for something and you knew God was able to do something? And you thought he would do something, but he didn't do it. And you ask yourself, did I do something wrong? Is God not listening? Is God mad at me? Or maybe he doesn't care. So that's why the title for today's message is this. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't God answer my prayer? So Father, we ask this morning, even even if our faith is struggling, that you would hear the cries of our heart. And by the truth of your word, Lord God, and and the, the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would build our faith. That you, Lord God, are God that hears and responds to the prayers of your people. Build our faith, God. To be people pursuing, Lord God, your in, you intimately in prayer. And God will give you all the glory for every answered prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, what I want to do today is try to build, a, build an understanding of the, of the nature of God and the purpose of prayer. We're going to look at the nature of God and the purpose of prayer. And what I want to do is is tell you uh, what I want to do is tell you let me say that again. What I'm going to tell you is not something that you probably want to hear. There we go. You may not want to hear what I'm going to tell you. In our very self-centered culture, we like everything to be about us, don't we? That's why we have selfies. We like everything to be about us, right? But when we look at this story of Scripture, we need to understand something, and that is that when you read the Bible, you are not the main character in the story of Scripture. And neither am I. But that's how we read it, isn't it? When you look at the glory of God in creation and the narrative of the the story of the Bible, unfortunately, we are not the main character. God is. And we need to embrace the the, uh, reality that God does not exist for us. We exist for God. We exist to glorify God. And when we recognize that God doesn't exist for us, but the reality is that we exist for Him, it helps us to understand the purpose and the meaning behind why it is that we pray. So I want to build a foundation and understanding today. And then look at some scripture. Is that okay today? We're going to look at a lot of scripture. And then let's define what the purpose of prayer is. But we're going to start with what it is not. The purpose of prayer isn't. Believe it or not, the purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to bend to our will. He's not a puppet on our strings. Or who who is at our beck and call. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is to know God so that we can do His will. 
The purpose of prayer is to get to know him intimately. Because he is an intimate and relational God. We serve him. He's not here to serve us. In other words, contrary to cultural belief, God isn't our spiritual Santa Claus. I've heard, to re- I've heard people refer to God as, you know, so you believe that there's the Santa Claus up in the sky when you pray. And some people believe that. Some people believe, man, I've been good all year. I've tried to do the right things. I go to church or I watch it online. I watch it online all the time. Man, I've been good this year. I've, I've been part of the Bible engagement on Wednesday nights, and I, I, every day I read my U version Bible study. I have this streak that is going on really, really long. So God's got to answer my prayers because I'm doing good this year. So, so you pray to God and. You think God's going, yeah, you've been a good boy. You've been a good girl this year. Therefore, you get everything you want. But that's not what God is. That's not God. And of course, you know, if, you, if you're that way, then you've got to, you know, you're bad and you cuss. And even if you think you use cuss words because you may not say it, you think it. But God knows. He hears what you're thinking, right? Or perhaps you flip somebody off on your way out of the church parking lot. Not that any of you would do it, but I'm sure it's happened. Or worse yet, you lose, you, you, you lose your streak in your version Bible app, Bible study. And so God says, I can't bless that at all. See, if you think of God as being this, you've got to be good enough for God to, to answer your prayers, then you've got to think, well, you know, <laughs> man, I might not be good enough for God to answer any of my prayers. So God is not some kind of spiritual Santa Claus. He's not your, your, uh, your drive-through God. Or, you know, where you pull up to God in the box and you push a button and you say, God, I, I, this is what I want. I've often referred to, a lot of people think that Prayer is, is, is like that vending machine where you put in your time, you put in your energy, and you push the button for what you want, and God's going to just hand it to you. But that's not what God is. We need to understand that God is not a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued. Let me say that again. God is not a button to be pushed. He's a relationship to be pursued. He's a relational God. God is love. He created us to love us and for us to love Him. Therefore, the purpose of prayer, there at its root, is not to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is so that we can know Him and we can be conformed into the, what His will is. Amen? Now, we read a verse earlier that could be confusing, you know, because Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. And yet, so often, that's not the way it goes. So is Jesus lying or does he not care? I mean, it's important for us to, as followers of Jesus, that when we study God's word, when we read God's word, 
We need to accurately interpret what is in God's word. And so just briefly, some ideas that, that I've learned along the way that's really important. Number one, we never build our theology on just one verse. We never build theology on just one verse. Jesus said, if I ask anything in his name, and he'll do it for me. I'm standing on that verse. Jesus, in your name I want a million dollars. You really... No, because you can't build your theology on just one verse. There's thousands of scriptures that we build our theology around. The way we believe needs to be more than just on a single verse. So what we're going to do is we're going to understand the big beliefs of the Bible. If we want to do that, we really understand it. We have to look at it in the context of what it said. In other words, who was it written for? Who was it written to? Who was writing it? Are there bigger historical ideas going on at that time? What is, what is all of that happening in, in, in Scripture? And perhaps the biggest idea in understanding the Bible is this. We need to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. We use Scripture through all the Bible to, to, to build our beliefs. And we use the Bible to interpret the Bible. The Bible will tell us plainly what it's saying. So if we have one verse on prayer, we may, we may say something like, okay, I've got some questions about this. So what happens is we start looking at other verses on prayer. Um, and that's good. That's why it's good to have a good study Bible. Because in, in the notes there, it will give you other verses that you can go along with on prayer. Okay? So you, you might go back to what Paul says in the epistles and then the flip over what Jesus says in the Gospels. And then we'll go to the Proverbs and the Psalms and we're going to look at the Old Testament history literature. And we're going to take the Bible to interpret the Bible so that we'll see the whole narrative that God has uh, is saying to us and try to figure out the umbrella of his goodness. And that's how we interpret Scripture. So when we're looking at this very weighty uh, question that causes some people to walk away from their faith. You know, I prayed for grandma and, and, and she died. And I prayed for my best friend and he took his life. Or I prayed for, you know, whatever and God didn't answer. Why didn't God answer my prayer? What we're going to do today is we're going to let the Bible interpret the Bible. And we're going to look at a lot of different verses. So you might be saying, I prayed and I believed and I thought I did everything right. And God didn't do what I knew he could do. Why didn't God answer my prayer? So I can say this without a doubt. Number one thing to go off. As a pastor, I can clearly say. I don't know. I don't know why God didn't answer that, that prayer. That's above my pay grade. I can't tell you specifically why God didn't do what he could have done. 
And he might have done it for somebody else or another situation. I don't know, but what I can do is show you in the Bible at least four possible reasons why God didn't do what you asked him to do. And we're going to let the Bible speak and let the Bible interpret the Bible. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Four possibilities. Number one, possibly. It might be that you have a broken relationship. Maybe you have a broken relationship. It's, it, it may be hindering your intimacy with God. And therefore, in this case, perhaps that might be a reason that he didn't answer a prayer. Let me try to explain it to you this way. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he was giving them a lesson on faith. And he was, trying, he was basically saying, hey, if you really have faith, you can ask something as crazy as moving a mountain. And you don't doubt in your heart. And I'll do what you ask me to do. This mountain could be removed and it could be cast into the sea. And Jesus said in, in chapter, Mark chapter 11, verse 24, he said this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received them and it will be yours. Once again, single verse, people will stand on that verse and say, God, you said this. But let's read the next verse, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Wait a minute. Sounds like God or Jesus is saying, you ask anything in my name, but here's a caveat to that. It seems that Jesus is implying that your relationship with other people might matter when you pray to God. Which that makes a, a little bit of sense to me, you know, for those of you who have kids, you understand it. If your kids are like fighting, and they come to you screaming bloody murder, he did this, and they did that, and I did this, and, it, and then, you know, Five minutes later, they say, hey, can we have a friend over? Wait a minute. No, you can't. Well, can we watch a movie? No. Can we stay up late? No. Why? Because you're fighting. Because you're fighting. I don't want you fighting with each other because I love all of you. And in my house, and at this point, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for when you're not doing what I've told you to do. And this is, I really need you to value each other. I need you to love each other. I love you, and I want you to love each other like I love you. So no, you're not going to have, you know, pizza for dinner. We're not going to McDonald's for dinner when you're fighting. So perhaps Jesus is implying that your relationship with other people could impact your relationship with God. I'll give you another example. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is talking about giving, uh, going to give your gift. Matthew chapter 5 uh, verse 23 says this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, remember your brother and sister has something 
against you. What do you do? It says you leave your gift in front of the altar and then you first, he says. The first thing you do before you give your gift is to go and be reconciled, made up, make up with the person that you've got a problem with, and then come and offer your gift. Wait a minute, Pastor. Before I put money in the offering plate, my my heart has to be right with God and other people. Look, Jesus is just saying that your relationship with other people affects your relationship with God. If that's not enough, gentlemen, those of you who are married, here's a verse that'll get up all up in your business. And if I had one for the wives, I would give one for the wives as well. But this could probably speak to both. But man, this is directly to you. Okay? The, uh, it essentially says, if thou art a jerketh, God might not answer your prayers. That's, that's the King James language. No, it's not the King James language. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way be considered, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Why? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, your relationship with your wife and how you treat your wife will affect how your answers are prayer or your prayers are answered. Your answers are prayer. How your Prayers are answered. Why? Because your relationship with other people affect your relationship with God. So when we use scripture to interpret scripture, your relationship with other people impact your relationship with God. Why didn't God answer your prayer? Again, I can't answer and tell you specifically, but perhaps you may have a broken relationship that is impacting your intimacy with God. Another reason that God might not answer your prayer is that you might have wrong motives. I don't know about you because, you know, you're, you're, you're holy and you've never done that. But I've prayed some selfish prayers. I mean, really. And if you look back and look at your prayers, I, I'm not going to judge you. Okay. Between you and God. But it's not uncommon to see people praying self-centered prayers with the wrong motives. Look, the, the, the Pharisees did this all the time. They would stand out on the street corner with these long flowing robes. And they would pray these public prayers that were just beautiful. Beautiful. But they had nothing to do with, with their relationship with God. They just wanted people to like them. And to say, oh, how great that prayer was. You're so spiritual when you pray that way. I don't know, you know, it might be somebody who's who's praying and God bless my business. God, I want you to bless my business. But they're unwilling to tithe. Are they really praying 
for God's glory. Or bless my business, but there's no generosity to help anybody in need. Or, you know, it might be something sillier, you know. God, help me be big and strong. Help me look good. God, I need you to fill in my beard. God, I want my income higher. God, I want a bigger house, a better car. My bank account's too small. So why didn't God answer your prayer? It might be because that you have um, a broken relationship or because you're answering or you're asking God um, with wrong motives. Another possible reason is that when you pray, you really didn't believe God would actually do it. Maybe you're lacking faith. And I'll show you a very powerful portion of scripture that I can identify in in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 9. There's this dad who had a son and his poor boy was, was possessed by an evil spirit. And that boy couldn't talk. He couldn't walk right. He, he would foam at the mouth and his, this spirit would just thrash him around like crazy try to kill the boy, throwing him in water and throwing him in fire. And, 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 you know, and the dad, you can imagine, he's just beside himself. Can anyone help my boy? And so he goes up to the disciples like, hey guys, you're with Jesus. You guys have power. Can you, can you cast out a demon? And the, and the disciples tried, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus looked on and, and you could almost see like, like, he was like concerned or maybe disappointed with his disciples. Like, don't you guys have faith? If you have faith, you could drive out this demon. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, the father explains the situation to Jesus about the, the, the demon. And he says, it's, it, it's often tried to throw my son in the fire and the water to kill him. And I love the honesty of this dad, what he says to Jesus. Listen to his big faith. Jesus, you can do anything. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I can see Jesus again kind of looks on like, come on. I can do it. But this is what he says. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Turns to the Father and says, anything is possible for the one who believes. And in verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaims, I do believe. Jesus, I believe you can do miracles. I believe that I, you, you, can, you can heal my son. You can change his life. I do believe. But help me overcome my unbelief. I kind of have that kind of faith, you know. I'm not sure it's the faith that you're, you're looking for. It's, it's that, that sort of faith that, 
And, and I love this honesty because I can't, I can't speak for anyone else, but I can tell you, even as your pastor, even as a, as a person who has walked with God for, for, for years, There are moments when my faith is weaker than others. And you need to hear me when I tell you, I've seen God do miraculous things. I've seen God change the life of of demon-possessed people. I've seen the power of God move through somebody who was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And completely rearrange their life to bring glory and honor to Him. I've seen God show up and take people that no one thought could ever change and make a difference in their life or healed them and made them whole. And God completely transformed their lives. I've seen God answer prayer. And there's times that I've seen God not answer prayer. As pastors, Tina and I can can tell you, there's not a lot of people who call us up and say, pastors, pray for me, I'm having a normal day. People will call us up or text us or message us. Man, I'm having to pray for this. I'm having a rough day. Pray for me. My child is going into the hospital. Pray for me. Because I'm, I'm sitting in the waiting room. Pray for me. I'm having problems with, with healthy thinking. Pray for me. We go through these highs and lows. And here's what we got to understand. Our faith really matters to God. And sometimes our faith isn't as high as other times. Your faith matters to God. God says without faith it is impossible to please God. And the way that you, you might, uh, the way that you might made, wait a minute, the way that you are made right with God right now is by faith. It's in a faith that you can't, in a God that you can't see. It might be in a faith of, in a God that you can't even feel. But faith honors God. In fact, over and over in Scripture, you'll see it in Scripture. It's in your notes there. Jesus said, according to your what? According to your faith, may it be done unto you. There was a woman who had an issue of blood who was bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. And she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus said to her, your faith has, be, has, your faith has healed you. There was an immoral woman who came in and knelt at the feet of Jesus and she, she worshipped at the feet of Jesus and she poured expensive perfume out 
on the feet of Jesus and anointed him all over. And Jesus looked at her and said, your faith has saved you. There were two blind men who couldn't see and they say, heal us, heal us, heal us, Jesus. And Jesus turned to them and asked, do you believe that I can? And they say, yes, we believe that you can. And Jesus, Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their, their sight was restored. Your faith matters to God. Sometimes our faith is like up and down. But see, our faith is not in our faith. Let me say that again. Our faith cannot be in our faith. God is still God, period. Theological circles, there's, there's a something that we, that's called the prosperity gospel. All you have to do is believe. And the reason it didn't happen is because you didn't have enough faith. If you have enough faith, God can do, God will do whatever you want. God has to heal you or God has to bless you. And you, everyone's going to be rich if you have enough faith. And if you don't have enough faith, that's not on God, that's on you. And I believe this is a dangerous distortion of, of what Scripture says because we interpret the Bible in light of the Bible. Remember that? So we don't put our faith in faith. We put our faith in God. And at the, end, and, and at the same time, we understand that our faith does matter to God. So you might say, well, my relationships are good. I'm pretty good with everybody, even those, those crazy people in my family. And we all got them. And I have the right motives. And my, I believe that my motives are pure and I really do have faith, but God still has not answered my prayer. So why hasn't God answered my prayer? The fourth reason I see in Scripture is that maybe God has something different. Maybe God has something different. Maybe in your case, even though you didn't really want it and really think it's best, and all, logicals, all logic tells you it's best, maybe God has something different for you. I see evidence of this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. I love this promise. This is amazing. It says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. When you approach God, you can have this confidence. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Few years ago, we were praying and praying and praying for healing for somebody with cancer. We prayed and prayed, cried tears, and saw God move. And 
Yet this woman died of cancer. Why? Yes, why, God? We believe. We've seen you heal her before. Maybe it's because God has a different plan and has something better. Maybe his plan is not just for you, but for the people around you. When you look at scripture and you see the life of Paul, this, this is illustrated in the life of Paul in the, in the New Testament. Paul had this what's described as a thorn in his flesh. Now, we don't know what that thorn was. Some scholars say it was his, his eyesight was bad um, because, you know, he, he, he said something about his large writing when he was writing. Some think it might have been like malaria or migraines or, or you know, he's, he's been beaten with... He was been caned, beaten to death, basically, and stoned and drug outside. So people, some people believe that he had a problem with walking. That maybe he had a little bit of problem with a little brain damage because he had been stoned. Okay. Some people say because of that he might have because he said he doesn't have eloquent speech. It might have been a speech disability. Some people actually think it was a, a person. Because he said, uh, Alex, the coppersmith, did me a great deal of harm. We don't know what it is. But what we do know is Paul prayed three times. Now, when he prayed three times about this, it wasn't like he prayed, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner prayers. He prayed earnestly before God about this thorn in his flesh. He pleaded with God. He knelt in prayer. And, and the way it's described is gut-wrenching prayer before God. It's tormenting me night and day, God. Please take it away. I know you can take it away. This is Paul. This is Paul, the guy who preached the gospel for, for 30 years in every major city on the Mediterranean basin. This is Paul, the one who encountered the risen Christ and served him so uh, faithfully, enduring an incredible high price. He was shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, imprisoned. This is the same Paul who wrote like a third of the New Testament. And he pleaded and he begged and he pleaded. And his relationships were probably as, as good as it could be. And as far as it depended upon him, he was, he, his, was at peace with people. His motives were pure. His faith was strong. And God still didn't do it. And God revealed to Paul... He said, my God showed me that his grace is sufficient for me. It's enough. Paul said that his 
power is made perfect in my weakness. Let me say that again. His power, God's power, is made perfect in his weakness. Paul's weakness. In Paul's brokenness. Paul says, therefore, I'll boast all the more in my weakness because his strength is made perfect. His goodness. His glory is made perfect when I don't get what I want to get and I don't understand why. Paul knew that there was something out there that God's plan had for him. Does that mean he stopped praying about it? No, I believe that Paul prayed God, whenever your will be done. Whenever you want to, you can take it away. I'm not going to I'm not going to complain about it though. Because in my weakness, in my infirmities, you, your grace, your power, your love, your mercy is made perfect. So I don't know what it could be for you. I got to have this house, I got to have this job, I got to marry this person, and so you pray and you pray and you pray and it doesn't happen. And in the moment you pray, you may not understand, you may not like it, you may ask some very legitimate questions, which I'm sure God is able to handle. Why didn't you remove that from them? And God may in his own time, in his own way, show you that he is still sufficient. His grace is still what you need. So you ask and you believe and you didn't get it. And one day you'll just recognize God did something different. So that leaves us with one more big question. If it's so complicated that you have to have this right and that right and pray just right and God still appears to do whatever God wants to do anyway. Why pray? Because we have to understand this. Prayer is not to get what we want. The purpose of prayer is not to get what we want. I've seen it happen many times. God, you need to change so-and-so. They're getting on my nerves. They're so hate and non-Christians, you know. God, you need to change them. They are so horrible to me at work. God, change them, change them, change them. Maybe what we need to be praying is God change us. Maybe that's your plan. But if God's going to do whatever God's going to do because he is sovereign, why pray anyway? Because prayer is not about getting what we want. Prayer is about having a relationship with God. To know him intimately so that we can do his will. And what I've found in my own life, if nothing else, and there's always something else that's good, but if there's nothing else, Prayer reminds me all the time that I am not in control. And prayer keeps me close to the one who is. Prayer keeps me close to the one 
who is. So it's not about me getting him to do what I want him to do. It's about me doing what he wants to do. So with everything within me, when I pray, I always believe God can. I will believe that God can. And I always believe that God will. And even if he doesn't, the good news, I want you to get this. Even if God does not do what I know he can do, I still believe. I still believe with everything within me, every fiber of my body, because not, my faith is not in what I see. My faith is in who I know God is. My faith is never in a what, it's in a who. It's in the glory of who God is. So if you ever pray, if you ever find yourself in a prayer slump, what do you do? You just keep on praying. Because ultimately, you know, you get those times when you pray or something and you just feel like it's hitting the glass ceiling. Nothing is getting answered. Those prayer slumps. We've all been there. What do we do? We keep on praying because actually praying, prayer is not about getting God to do what you want him to do. It's about building a relationship with him. It's about his goodness and being conformed to his will. And so we, when you pray, believe that, you, that he can, believe that he will, and if he doesn't, still believe. Because without faith, is an, is an, without faith it is impossible to please God. So let's pray. God, we honor you today with our faith. And as we pray, Lord God, whether people here in this building or watching us online, God, We ask in this moment, with all our our questions and all of, of the power of answered prayers and all the confusion of the unanswered one, we ask that you would just build our faith. Build our faith today, Lord God. And as you continue to pray, no matter where you're watching this, either online or here today, My prayer is that you would be a a prayer warrior with lots of faith. And yet you might feel like, why do I do this? I feel like I need to do more than just talk. And no matter where you are on your faith journey, if you'd say, I'd like to be even more intimate with God in prayer. If that's your prayer this morning, God, I want to be more intimate with you in prayer. Would you just raise your hand right now? Yeah. If you're watching us online, raise your hand. God, it's not about me seeing you. It's about God seeing you. Father, I thank you that there are people right now that really want to even grow in their faith. I thank you, God, that in some unusual way that even an unanswered prayer can build their faith. So, God, I ask that we that we maybe reposition ourselves in the list of priorities and recognize that you are the main character. You are God. And God, forgive me when time, in the times that I'm disappointed with you didn't do what I wanted because I have to remind myself, Lord God, that you are, are not here to do what I want you to do, but I'm here to do your will. 
God, I want to serve you. We want to serve you, Lord God. And we come to you in prayer, Lord God, asking that you would hear our prayer. And when we don't have the words to say, Lord, hear the heart that we have. Hear the sighs, the the moans, even the groaning, Lord God. Hear the brokenness. And even hear the, the prayers, Lord God, through our tears. And God, we thank you that you draw close to the brokenhearted. That when we draw near to you, Lord God, you draw near to us. So even more than, than just using a prayer as a tool to get you to move in power on our behalf, God, help us to see prayer as the greatest way that we can get to know you. Opening up your word and talking to you in prayer so that we could know you, God, and do your will in all that we do. God, for those in a prayer slump, I pray, God, that they would continue pressing in and somehow, Lord God, somewhere show enough of your goodness, enough of your power to keep us pressing in, God. Build our faith, Lord God. Build our faith. As you continue to pray that heart of prayer this morning, no matter where you're, you're, some of you are here, some of you are watching us online, and you might be saying, I kind of believe, but I'm not sure. I don't know where I stand. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying not to be bad. I don't know why God did this. Lots of questions. If you're going to pray, let me tell you a prayer that God always answers. God always answers prayers and says yes to when you pray about God, when you pray out to God and you ask him to forgive you. He always answers that prayer. When you ask God to reveal himself to you, he always meets you where you are. And when God, when you ask God to take over your life, he's already ready, he's always ready to step into me first. No matter where you are, you might feel the weight of something that you said that you wish you didn't say. Something that you've done that you wish you hadn't done. And we've all sinned. And the good news is that God showed us, us his love in this. That he sent his son Jesus who was perfect in every way. He died on the cross for our forgiveness of our sins. And God raised him from the dead. Why? So that we could be forgiven. So that we could know him. He's a relational God. So if that's you today saying, I want, I need forgiveness today, I surrender my life. When you say yes to him by faith today, you're saved through faith. And you're saying, God, I surrender my life to you. If that's your prayer to him, would you pray this prayer, even online. Pray this out loud. Everyone pray together. Let's pray, Father, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, 
Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you lived a sinless life. And I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe you were dead and buried for three days. And I believe that you are the Son of God. Risen from the dead. And seated with God the Father. Now bless me, Lord. As I turn from my sin and turn toward you. Give me a desire to read your word. To pray every day. And to tell others about you. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. God I pray for those who have prayed this prayer. Lord God confessing their need of you. Lord I pray that you would give them direction in their lives. Give them understanding in your word. Give them a faith, Lord God, as they pray. Father, help them find a place where they can study your word and grow. And love, connect, grow, and serve, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you would indulge me here for about a minute. Those of you who are watching us online, I pray that you find a place where you can get connected to and where you can serve and you can grow. You can feel the love of God and, and family in a family environment. If you need that place, I pray that you come here if you live on the the east side of Baltimore, Baltimore County, or in Middle River. If you don't live around here and you need help finding a church to go to, email us, message us, and we'll, we'll, we'll help you find a place where you can get connected, a church where you can grow. And if you need prayer, just once again, contact us. Amen, church? Praise God. So let's pray and I'll ask the Lord to bless you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, that even though you don't always answer the prayer the way we want you to, Lord God, the way you answer our prayers is always best for us. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, we would be ambassadors for you. Lord, that as we do the good works that you've called us to do, Lord God, other people would see them and give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.